Hello. Hi, everyone. Hello, hello. Welcome to the Environmental Podcast. Yep, this is our podcast where we deep dive into different aspects of sustainability. Lately, we've been chatting with amazing industry professionals. And if you love this type of content, please like and subscribe uh, so that it shows up in your feed. Yeah, perfect. Yeah. So today we are very excited. We are joined by Lena Chow, who is the founder and CEO of Clean Circle, an incredible clean beauty brand. And we're so excited to chat. So Lena, thank you so much for being here. Thank you for having me. I'm super excited to be here. And like you said, just chatting about sustainability, a little bit of beauty. And uh, I, I mentioned just kind of like where the industry is heading and some trends that we're seeing. So excited. Thank you for having me. Yay. Oh, I can't yeah, wait. Really, really excited. Um, yeah. And I met at a skincare company um, and we, but we haven't been working in the industry for the last four years. So um I'm stoked to hear about like new innovations and what's going on. And yeah, gosh. So can you tell us a little bit about Clean Circle and kind of how you got started? Yeah, absolutely. So when I, so I am a beauty outsider. I don't come from the industry. Uh, I think sometimes people say that's my superpower. And sometimes it's, you know, the learning curve is pretty steep. So I, you know, I I don't come from the industry at all. Uh, My previous life, I've actually do uh, elite college admissions. So helping students navigate the process into some of the top schools in the country. So how did that kind of transition into finding my own, uh, my, my finding my own company and being an accidental entrepreneur in many ways? So when I, you know, I've always been a lover of all things beauty. Uh, I, in my bathroom, I've tested, I've played around with everything across the board, I would say. And really when I was looking for ways to be more sustainable years ago. So I was living in New York at that time and I'm bouncing, you know, from work to the gym, gym to the subway, subway home, all this bouncing around. And I realized like, if I'm going to go work out, how do I remove my makeup, right? How do I take off my face so I could go work out? And I was using makeup wipes at that time. And first, of course, it was like, oh, so bad for my skin. I was breaking out. Um, It was actually irritating my skin, all that. And then I switched over to reusables, right? But then as I was like, you know, buying it and buying it on Amazon or wherever you could think to buy it, something really simple, a simple product. I thought about it and I was like, who's making it? As we know, the textile industry is extremely unethical. We know that the fabrics, how it's made chemicals are tossed back into water streams. We know that was something that I think some of us knew, but it was a big topic about fast fashion. Mm-hmm. So I was like, well, what? where can I find reusables that are made ethically and so made sustainably, right? Like with the best fabrics and made with ethical workplaces, something so simple. And I couldn't find <laughs> it. I couldn't oh. find it. Nothing on the market gave me that transparency around how a reusable was made. And I was like, interesting. If I care about it, and I'm just a 
very regular person on the streets. If I care about it, I wonder if other people do. And um, I do think that this is where my upbringing kind of plays into it. So I'm a first generation. Uh, I'm first generation in this country. My mother was a seamstress in factories. And ultimately, she started as a seamstress, then she had one. So I understood labor laws. I understood fabrics very early on. And I think that's why I have a, a more deeper understanding of that, of, you know, ethical and production a little bit better. So like I say, when I was looking for these ethical, sustainable reusables, I couldn't find it. And I thought that there were some people like me that did care. And that is how I launched in so many ways, Clean Circle with these two products, reusables, but made ethically and sustainably. So we have, you know, um, our fabrics, our manufacturers, we have full transparency around chemicals, production, sewing, to end, end product. Wow. So that's how it kind of all started as an accidental yeah. entrepreneur. <laughs> I mean, what was that process like? I mean, so, so you had a little bit of knowledge, right? So of, of the of textiles and, and manufacturing practices a bit, but how did you find the process of finding truly sustainable suppliers and manufacturers for yeah. you? That, that's a great question. That was extremely difficult. Um, I, I will say that it took me over oh, almost a year to fully, fully source. And I was in sourcing leisurely. I met like every day, five emails, 10 emails, 20 emails out wow. around the world, every possible country that was still making textile. And as we know, there's only certain countries, right, that are still making textile in many ways. So I reached out everywhere. It was actually a stroke of luck that I'm in Los Angeles and a friend of mine was taking a course at UCLA for sustainability. And it was like, hey, I think this person might be someone that I, I want to connect you to. And that just led to X, Y, Z to the manufacturers, et cetera. And then through connections and through asking all the right questions, but it did take me quite a bit of time um, because it's not something that's talked about as often. It's something as simple right, as our fabrics. Yeah. Yeah. It, that's a huge challenge. And it was really, and I do, I do think that um, so I, that was a stroke of luck just through, you know, friend of, that was taking a, a class. Um, and it was really exciting to have those conversations really push the boundaries around it because a lot of my people are like, what are you asking? And I was like, send me picture, <laughs> tell me the certifications and then in, in the kindest way possible, but really in, in some ways professionally and uh, respectfully challenging them around it as well, not shaming. Mm -hmm have different you know workplaces everything but when you find the right people that are able to help you that's when it's like it's striking gold yeah do you think that's changing do you think it's easier to find a better value chain or supply chain right now or do you think it's still I think it's still I think the education around you might be able to find it, but their cost is always going to be higher, right? If you're if you talk about fair labor, fair working wages, you, yeah, it's, 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 it's going to cost more. So at the end of the day, I do think that some people have some found or some brands, companies, whatever, just have to make that decision around cost of goods. So I do think it is becoming more of a talked about topic. However, um, I do think that there's extremely difficult education around why as well, because, you know, we, we hear green, we hear sustainability, we hear these big key words, 
but not fully diving into what that means because everyone has their own definition of it, right? Um, mm -hmm. So I do think, yes, there is, it, we're moving that way, but I do think that education comes harder unless everyone is talking about it, unless everyone is moving to this more transparent um, supply chain kind of world. Mm -hmm. Yeah. 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 Textiles yeah. is a difficult industry to, to push, I think. Right. And, um, you know, I think the world is so much more, obviously, not even just now, but we're moving way faster than even when I was growing. And I grew up in the early 2000s when I like when Facebook, when we were still only for college students like that. Right. <laughs> um, and it wasn't for the whole world. So but we are moving at 10, 15, 20 times faster than even then yeah. it's been 10 years, 10, 15 years or so. Right. Yeah. So, not, yeah. 15, maybe, maybe 20 now, yeah. but uh, it's so, um, I, I do think that, you know, because we're moving faster, how the, the, the difficult question is how do we move faster while while also like understanding like textile, yeah. right? Because everyone cares, but if everything's moving, so fa fashion is moving faster, product goods are moving faster, right? People are launching faster. How do we merge that? Um, it's, it's a difficult conversation. So, and I don't yeah. have an answer for it. <laughs> no, it's, it's such a big topic, sustainability. Mm -hmm. And I mean, we've been doing environmental now for what, two years or something, Courtney? And a long time. And yeah. I feel like we have only scratched the surface on talking with people that are just doing their one thing to push this like transition a step mm -hmm. and then a step. And mm -hmm. sometimes it, for people, it feels like a slog because it feels like you have so much of this backlog and you're dragging so much like tradition or baggage or what kind of all of the above. And I feel like for the folks that we've spoken with in textiles and these industries that are notorious for being um, underground, I guess, or like, you know, hidden a little bit, yeah. it's, it's that much harder. It's yeah. so hard to find data. It's hard to, yeah. Ugh. Yeah. I think that, you know, one thing I, 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 it's almost so, um, it's it's very privileged of me. I wish people could be able to travel to some of these places to really see the impact of it. Southeast Asia mm -hmm. is littered, littered. And I don't think people understand that, um, th that, 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 you know, if you don't see it, right, you don't think about it, but I, um, in many ways, because I'm, I, of course, I'm, I'm Asian American, I'm Chinese American, my husband is a refugee from Southeast Asia, we go back often, if you just saw it, if you saw textile, if you saw the, the workplaces, if you just, it, it, it would, that, that switch would switch immediately. Um, so it's very, I'm like, I wish you traveled. That's not what I wish. I, I wish, how do we, how do we bring that up? Right. How do we show? And it's a tough, like I say, no, no answer, but definitely um, interesting to, to talk, talk about. It is interesting. I mean, it's, it's unfortunate that like so many businesses have really profited off the fact that there is not transparency there, that, no, that folks are not seeing that. Because, and they know that if people did see, they would change everything, right? It would be, your perspective would completely change on, you know, mm -hmm. shopping at fast fashion. And 
and it's yeah it's so there's a lot to fight against there i suppose of a very established industry that has profited so much off of this very opaque business practices it's shady absolutely, absolutely. Yeah. um and you know in the, in, because again i i'm I, I kind of grew up in the world and I know it. And that's kind of why I launched uh, really with our two, two products made better, but of course also on the same line of being really sustainable, right? I think single use makeup wipes are, at, well, first personally, it was destroyed my face, destroyed my skin. And then second, we launched with sing, uh, reusables to replace your cotton rounds and cotton rounds in itself, cotton itself is extremely water intensive to grow. And yep. the New York Times just a few months ago released, uh, had an article out saying that Texas lost 6 million acres of cotton land because of drought. Like yeah. everything is going up in price now, right? Of course, it, as as it would, uh, you're not trying to squeeze any farmers out there. So how, what, what is that middle? And so I think even cotton rounds, something so yeah. low hanging fruit for me, just like replace it, replace it with something that's high quality that will last you years. Um, mm -hmm. that, that's just better for the environment, you know, better, better, yeah. Yeah, better for the environment. <laughs> I think that's yeah. something else to that. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. And cotton has such a sordid history, you know, um, mm -hmm. in this country. And it really, are you, I guess, are you using cotton or what, um, fabrics, what is your, yeah. What is your fabric? So our fabric is actually like 70% bamboo. And then we do have cotton in it. Uh, it's recycled cotton and then the rest are uh, recycled polyester. Or organic or cotton as well. So it's really, and that's unbelievable. Like I said, I, I push so many people. Why, why do we need to have it? And to hold the integrity, bamboo in itself is extremely loose and like fluffy mm -hmm. in many ways. You need something to kind of pull it together. And so it was that, it was through that type of conversation, thought process was like, okay, so we need to have it. Can we do it in the best way possible? Um, so yeah. really creating that super high quality fabric that won't break um, in, in, I've been using my same samples from when we launched in 2020. <laughs> so, you know, it, it really is about lux and high quality to make it last. Yeah. Yeah. And the polyester is, is, is the same. Yeah. I the guess, polyester, so. again, so it's purely for uh, fabric integrity. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Where does the like recycled cotton come from? I'm just curious. Like, is that from like, puts consumer waste or is it sort of within yeah the that's great it's a great question it actually is from women so here in the states we don't do it as much um but textile re recyclability people recycle their textiles right and that's yeah. where it's some from how cool i wish that process was more widely adopted here yeah because yeah, it's so wasteful Absolutely. I love but I, I do love and I agree with you completely I do feel like this new um this new Gen Z, I guess that's what they, not what they call it, but Gen Z, they are all about secondhand. So I do love yeah. that these conversations around upcycling clothing and shoes and whatever else. Uh, and, and that's a great, that that's great to see that it's kind of cool thing, right? It's not um, like, oh, you're wearing someone else's secondhand. It's cool to upcycle now, which I, which yeah. I really appreciate. <laughs> yeah. And to, you know, create something from something else. And that's, that's some, that's really nice. Mm -hmm. And we learned about, oh, I'm trying to remember. 
I, it's a Dutch company that, that takes like old textiles once a, once a month, um, the Dutch, uh, like city people that, you know, uh, like th with your trash pickup, they mm -hmm. also have textile pickup for textiles that you can't take to the, um, thrift store. Yeah. And there are companies here. One, it's called Wolf something. I wish I could remember it. Um, but they take those textiles and then they break them back down into the fibers so yeah. that they can remake new fibers with them uh, or with those old clothes. I hadn't seen that before, especially not as like a government thing. That is super. Yeah, that's actually what we do. Uh, that's actually how our fabrics are. It's be, you know, using your old textile, breaking it back down. Uh, that's interesting. I love that, that the, that it's a full government uh, initiative, right? It's like picking yeah, up the trash like, with it, your compost. That's kind of cool. Yeah. They come in, they pick up your compost once a month. They pick up your, they actually pick up plastic every week, which is kind of crazy. Mm -hmm. um, but there's a lot of plastic packaging here and they pick up um, cardboard once a month and they pick up old clothes once a month. It's, it's nice. It's like, yeah. Very cool. Um, cool. Yeah. So you have a lot of products behind you. You, do you just have the two or? Yeah. So we have our two reusables, uh, like I mentioned to replace single use makeup wipes and cotton rounds. I launched a, a Conjac facial sponge. Have you ever used that? No, no, not. So depending on, of course, in, in Japanese, it's called kunya. So it's different pronunciation, Western and East. So it's the konjac facial sponge is made out of the konjac root. The konjac root is something that we eat noodles. It's made into noodles and like jelly, jelly candy. Okay. Really popular in, in Asia. Um, and uh, in we now we could take that material and make it into a sponge. So it's a facial sponge, like a gentle exfoli exfoliator that you can use every day. After two months of use, you cut it up and it composts. So it is extremely cool because first, cool. yeah, like you you know, as you're washing your face, you have dry spots, you need to kind of buff it out a little bit. Then from there, like <laughs> sorry. <laughs> I love I love that way of thinking about it. I was just saying I need to exfoliate. No. So yeah, like, you know, like kind of buffing it out. <laughs> I know my uh, one of my team one of my one of my team members she was like do you do we really buff out our face I was like I don't know that's what I've been saying yeah you know though like it, it's really what it feels like when you're yeah it's a buff movement yeah and it's um it, and it's it's such a great texture uh it's like a, like I say it's like jelly like so it's super soft uh and if you could use it every day without like damaging your skin so obviously part of the brand's like when we create things it is about still skin health not perfect skin but we need to protect skin uh, our, our skin health um so yeah it's a great little fun sponge and like true to who we are trying to be really sustainable and uh it composts it breaks down in 54 days i throw it into my own home i have a home compost uh outside my yard and it yeah Every, every two months, just cut up into little pieces. And I throw, throw it in with amazing. With yeah, I, I you have to try one if you've never tried one. And uh, for hours, it's been really fun because we colored it differently. There's a lot in the market, but we colored ours with the butterfly, butterfly pea flower tea leaves. So it's like this beautiful blue. And then another Ooh. one we colored with cherry blossom. So it's a little bit pink. Uh, so it's just different colors, more on brand, fun shapes. 
but again, true to our roots of sustainability and then highlighting ingredients, uh, heritage ingredients. Beautiful. Yeah, of course. It's a, yeah, it's, it's a super cool, cool product. Uh, I, I use it every day. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, you beautiful skin. Um, I really like that you just said it's about skin health, not perfect skin. And I really just wanted to highlight that and say thank you because for a long time, everything was about perfect skin. Courtney and I have both dealt with gnarly acne uh, and skin issues. Mm -hmm. And when we don't talk about it as skin health, but we do talk about it as like, I have to get my skin perfect. Mm -hmm. um, it leads to a lot of self-consciousness and it leads to like potentially damaging it more. And then it gets so much worse. Um, yeah. So yeah, just, yeah, thanks. No, th thank you. I appreciate that. And I completely agree with you. Uh, like I, and it, it's so interesting because again, I, I'm in the heart of it. Sometimes I'm, whether it's on TikTok, you're finding these trends, you're seeing what the, what consumers are doing. Right. And I'm just like, oh my God, you're burning. You're like, you're, you could be uh. burning enough because, you know, using, using this active, that active and to get this perfect, this glass dewy. And there's just like, it's just not realistic. Right. Um, and I think going back to what we're saying for like the world has moved so much faster and I don't know what's sometimes, sometimes like, like what's, what's real, what's, what's not, ha, ha, you know, and, and for, for the young, for, for young kids, young teens, I'm like, oh, no, there's no perfect skin. I didn't have it. I still don't have it. I have hormonal breakouts, all that. Right. So we want to continue pushing that narrative at the very least. Like it's all about just skin health. When your skin mm -hmm. feels healthy, you're eating healthy and kind of your lifestyle's balanced. That's going to be your, your best, best spot. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That's what makes you glow. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. It's, it's really wild how much has changed in kind of like knowledge around skin, skin health and skin care since like we were growing up. I mean, in that, in the early 2000s, everyone was using like really intense proactive. scrubs. Yeah. Proactive, oh. really stripping products, like so bad. Um, which isn't too dissimilar. Some people still use like heavy acids and stuff like you were mentioning. There are some, some folks, but it's good to see that there are so many alternatives now and we're not just like, you know, yeah. burn it off kind of. <laughs> Personalized. Yeah. And that's a really great thing. Um, and taking, and I think there are so many great brand new new brands out there that are first, obviously like, well, we only, you know, what are, is this skincare or this product really good for all skin types, right? Hyperpigmentation for darker skin colors. So having these conversations on really what mm -hmm. equitable, like, you know, pro products mean. And I think that's just so amazing because you're right. There was a one size fit all many years ago, and now it's become so personalized. So you can get, you could achieve what whatever your goal is for your skin. And of course I'm a little biased, but so I hope the goal is healthy skin <laughs> and not, not, not burn your face off perfect skin, you know? Yes. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I'm thinking about my skincare products and how, also how long it takes to find the right routine for you and how, if like not every company you getting a line from a whole company, isn't necessarily the way to go. Um, definitely have tried that and it's like some products work quite well and some don't and I feel like it's really 
great that you're also saying like, there's a lot of other brands out there and, and personalize it for yourself and do that testing. Mm-hmm. Um, and also know that your skin changes over time. And mm-hmm. yeah. Absolutely. I think, uh, you know, like it changed with the season as, as well. Right. For example, in yeah. the, like when I use my, our contract facial sponge in the winter, it's purely for like the dry skin that I, that's, that I have in the summertime, my skin is so like sensitive. It's inflamed, maybe too much sun. And that's just how I wash my face with no face wash. And it removes that oil without stripping it. Cause I, I need like, I, I need my skin to feel moisturized. Right. So it really, you're right. Depending on the season, you're, it has to, it has to change. And that personalization has been really fun to see that people are getting and, and men and well, men, just everyone um, that are getting into it and they find some peace, right. S- something there for them. That's really nice. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Can we normalize men having a skincare routine? that's something we can just kind of do in Asia it's super popular right and so interesting to see I think from my lens what's coming over the trends that are hopping Mm. over um from from Asia to the west uh and what's sticking what's not because I've I I think growing up I really dived into more Asian brands just because it was better for my skin that, you know, even found whatever it is, foundation, whatever it is, which is always better in, in that way. Um, and so it's really nice to see that that's accepted, like people, all people, right. Having a skincare routine, not just females. So it's that world moving fast and super connected. <laughs> definitely some, a lot of be- benefits to that. Uh, I do think that one thing is I do, I would love to see more sustainability practices in beauty though. I still think that there's way more to do around that. Asia is not known to be super sustainable. I think they are obviously making, making movements and whatnot, but still a really heavy plastic usage. Um, mm-hmm. you know, a lot of countries still heavily plastic usage. So, you know, I, I think that there's give and take. So how can we, you know, even though the product's coming this way and formulations, innovation, how do we, as, as brands, um, how do we <laughs> ability piece as well right. so it's really, yeah just like something I think about and not I, I don't want to like um just blanket statement all of Asia there's like beautiful places are super green as well wow. right uh and then a lot of people a lot of nonprofits, a lot of cities doing what they need to do as well so I don't want to blanket statement like all of Asia yeah. <laughs> none of that no no but it's but it's true. I mean, there are still tradi- there are traditional products that have those ingredients that are petroleum-based and their packaging, mm-hmm. like they're, it's everywhere. Yeah, that is still everywhere. certainly like the norm. I guess. Yeah, and how do we, yeah, and I think that's, um, the, yeah, I, I think that's like the, I think that's the next thing. People are like, what's the next trends in the next few years? I'm like, sustainability sustainability and it's not going to be a trend it's like it's 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 really going to people are really just going to continue pushing those boundaries not just like Mm -hmm. fillables not just uh pc you know pcr packaging it's like really getting innovative with formulas Mm -hmm. ingredients whatever that looks like yeah Courtney, i remember you saying aubrey you're not in the states you're uh yeah the Netherlands yeah That's, I, yeah she yeah. said she talked about it earlier I was like oh, I forgot that yeah thing. it's a whole different kind of level of like innovation and this the, the the infrastructure there that is built around kind of sustainability like she was mentioning like monthly pickups of textiles like they have such yeah. a system down for <laughs> recycling circular usage 
of things. Yeah. yeah. They sort of have to, because there's people on people on people, like there's very little green space here. So innovation is, so what green space there is, is really protected. And then innovation is necessary because the population is growing. Yeah. So we have to find ways to, yeah, every every country in the world has to meet net zero goals we have to and the netherlands is really comfortable with innovation it's really comfortable with like you know the sea when the seawater rises half more than half this country goes under like that is because more than half this country is below sea level mm. already so the dutch actually know very well how to deal with with issues like this um mm. They're, they're also very comfortable with like, I see a problem coming. I'm going to make a new thing to try to solve it. It's cool. Hmm. Yeah, that, that love of innovation and having that space and having, uh, I think, governmental backup for it. That's cool. That's exciting. Yeah. I think there's a lot of work to do. People tout the Netherlands as like this big sustainability thing, but there is so much plastic packaging. Like there's still a lot of, you know, there's things we can always point our fingers at and there's a lot to do still. Um, and there are people all over the world that are working to solve problems like this. And I was gonna say earlier that sustainable ingredients aren't just better for the environment, right? Like they're usually invasive plants that are growing somewhere that have an astringent thing. You don't have to use a stripper. You can use a, a plant in oil and it does the same thing, right? So it ends up actually being better for your skin and then it works better. And then people want to use that ingredient because it works better, not just because it's sustainable. Yeah. It's um, a great point. Yeah. Absolutely. And I think that that's a, you know, that that's a conversation around formulation that I know that uh, myself, I'm not going to speak for others, just conversations with labs and, and ingredient sourcing and really trying to bring up those, bring up those studies. I think that's what's really, you know, I think gone are the days of just uh, formulating with, you know, with whatever is there, but really thinking through and there's just so much around that, uh, around like more studies around these different types of ingredients, maybe more natural ones mm -hmm. that just as effective and I think that's a really cool space to be in as well uh and I you know I, I I know a lot of brands that are kind of diving into that getting really really specific about it and that's like I say it's it's nice to see that there's so many more options now yeah yeah that's great to know I mean when when we we were working for a a brand that was really focused on clean ingredients and using like only things that were plant-based essentially um but it wasn't common certainly and it was no. quite a challenge to find those ingredients and um it, so there was one formulator yeah one yeah um and she formulates she formulated for that company and yeah. like estheticians basically and mm -hmm. um, it was really difficult to find anybody else working yeah. it. And this, you know, yeah. we're saying we're talking about five years ago, but right. But there weren't a whole lot of studies on the effectiveness of some of those kind of alternative, um, you know, alternatives to like salicylic acids and kind of harsher ingredients or something like that. Um, 
Absolutely. How do you feel now, now that everyone, uh, and, and I do think that it's a double-edged sword in many ways, everyone has become uh, very aware of their the ingredients that they're using, putting on their face and et cetera. Do you, because of that, everyone, you know, if you're not formulating with something, some consumers are like, well, you should be formulating with this, or you should be formulating with that, right? Or is there studies around the benefits and, you know, or the clinical studies, you know, all this, do you feel that, and I know that you've set out, but I think as for us, my question is, do we think that there will be people are going to be more accepting that there might not be a hundred clinical studies around efficacy, but three, four, five is going to start showing that there is efficacy there. I don't know. I I think consumers become super smart around ingredients, but also formulation is a dance, right? Between other things, not like, oh, there's only this niacinamide and that's it. Like I need to know, is it 1%, 5%? That's not how it it becomes much more nuanced. Yeah. I think- for me, um, this is kind of a, I, I see both sides. Um, because I have a background in like, in some formulation, I'm, I recognize like the challenges as a formulator, you know, mm-hmm. like you dive deep, you look for those clinical studies, you, that's what, that's what formulators do. But as a consumer, I actually don't care. I care if it's organic and if I recognize it or whatever, but I just want it to work. I want it to do the thing that it says it will do, right? Like, I don't, I think that there are skincare diehards out there and I was one for a long time and it was my job for a long time to make sure that like the things we were saying was accurate because um, the FDA really, we got our training in that skincare company with what you can and can't say uh, mm-hmm. from the FDA standpoint. Mm-hmm. And uh, so I did that, re- did read those studies to find the claims that we could say in good faith and stuff. But when it, so there are people out there that do that and care and they are the minority. Mm-hmm. They are the like you, us three. On yeah. <laughs> like, <laughs> I just want it to work. Yeah, no, and I ask because I, you know, right now my, um, there's a lot of studies. So when I think about how, you know, how, how I product develop, um, you know, one thing for the brand is like, I always want to highlight these ingredients that are so prominent in, in Asian cultures and our food, right. That there are so many benefits to it, but it's Eastern studies versus Western. And that's something that is an internal conversation I have with myself. Like when do, when, when is a studies enough? And when do I say, nope, I know the benefits of it through Eastern traditional medicine, all that, that is enough for us to formulate with versus like, well, if, you know, if it's, from which lens do I look at it? And it's just something I I've been kind of, you know, thinking, think through yeah. myself as I think yeah. about it. Yeah. I think you have to find your own balance. You mm-hmm. know, it works it works. Put it out there. Yeah. Don't say stuff you can't say. That's, that's, yes. you know. <laughs> that's the, yeah, the FDA. I got yeah. the whole book printed. I think I have yeah. a- <laughs> Really? Jeez. Yeah. 
just to make sure I'm, I'm always, you know, I, you know, I, I, I hope by now you see that I'm pretty, I always want to be honest. I always, always, not that people don't want to be honest, but I really do want to do my due diligence, understand what it is not that we can say, but really be very thoughtful into everything that we produce, put out into the world. That is, yeah. um, you know, cause there's so much stuff out there. Like, like yeah. I say, my original, like, who am I as an outside to launch anything? But then you think about like, no one was making it ethically. Like no one was. And no one's an insider. What does that mean to you? Excuse me? No one's really an insider in this industry when you like step in. Hold on. Oh my God. I'm not sure I understand. My Siri just came on. I'm sorry. I think Siri thought I was talking to her. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Aubrey, what, were you, what was your question? I said, what is an insider here? Yeah. Like, what do you mean by that? Because- we're all just people doing the thing. Yeah. I think, you know, that's a great question because when I hear of insider, you know, I think about someone that's like works for the big conglomerates, L'Oreal, water, mm -hmm. someone that's mm -hmm. worked for a beauty company, someone that has, um, you know, that's maybe gone to a Sephora <laughs> meeting, someone like that, someone that just has a pulse on it that mm -hmm. understands like even product development, like looking at consumer research, like that is an insider. I do think most people are like me, more, more consumers, right? Like you have to separate that between mm -hmm. the insider versus and then just a regular consumer in some ways. So that's how I define it. I think in being in the industry, there's so many beauty, people that have beauty experience mm -hmm. that are launching their own brands and doing their own things. So they already know how to navigate it. They know what they're looking for, who to reach out to. I think that's how we consider it. Um, and I just- knew no one I'm like, going to challenge you oh please and do say, yes. and say how like if if the industry is doing something unethically and incorrect and those insiders as you've defined them have contacts in an industry that are doing things that are ethically and morally opposed to what you want to build are they insiders are, and are you not an insider? I am definitely going to sleep very well with that question tonight. <laughs> yes, that is that's a, you know, when you frame it that way, it feels like, yeah, I think if you frame it that way, then that definition or that clear differentiation becomes super blurred now, right? Like there is no insider outsider yeah. in that sense. So that's a, you pose a really great question and also a really great question to Busamai. You go, yeah, you're right. You're right. <laughs> like I, thank you. <laughs> you're welcome. I, that's kind of the line we have, to, we walk every day. We felt that way for a long time. Like it's, it takes out the imposter syndrome when we look at, you know, huge marketing companies and mm -hmm. these like <clears throat> bro marketers that are using techniques and all these tactics. And we're like, we don't even like you. I don't we don't like do the way you do business. We don't want you to, we, we yeah. want to redefine what business looks like and mm -hmm. what ethical business is and how we communicate with the people we work with. I'm taking that off the table. Imposter syndrome isn't a thing because we're creating something new. That's true. That That's is, no, thank you. I appreciate that. Uh, that is such a great lens and such a great reminder as well as I think, you're right. You're kind of charting the course of doing something just a little differently than what has been normal. Mm -hmm. Yeah. 
Love that. Cool. Definitely it well. wasn't an honest question, but it was just like, okay. I love that. It's true. We're kind of creating our own insider spaces. Yeah. Sort of for fo- folks that are just wanting to do it differently. Like, we don't want to be at your traditional party. You guys have been doing it for a long time and you've been doing it wrong <laughs> from our opinion, you know? So. That's true. That's a, the, like I say, that's a great, I love that. such a great reminder as well, especially in, and I'm sure you both know this in an industry where it's all newness and fast and, and, you know, you, you get caught up in that. Yeah. Well, interesting. My goodness. So what's, what, do you have anything like, um, I guess, what are you working on now for, for Clean Circle? Yeah, that's a, th- thank you for asking that. Um, it, we are four weeks from launching a new product. So Ooh. we are extremely, <laughs> yeah, it's been extremely busy and my team is super small. And I think we're all just trying to do like, you know, coordinate, do everything. Um, So we are launching the first of its kind, fully dissolvable uh, eye masks, those under eye masks that we wear. Oh, cool. Whoa, cool. It's fully dissolvable. Um, in, and when I say fully dissolvable, I mean, you could under warm water, like in your hands, it'll start disintegrating after use. And that is super, super exciting because, um, it, you know, again, when I was thinking about the product, I, I use them myself. You know, when you're watching Netflix or whatever you, you work in, you have them under your eye. Um, your faux eight hours of sleep. And I remember it being a lot of them being packaged in little single plastic trays. Oh, this is so, um, you know, so, and I figured, you know, thinking through again, what is sustainable? How can we reduce beauty waste? And this was one of the ones that it kind of slowly gets us out of like beauty accessories, um, textile, that into now like formulation, which was Mm -hmm. probably our 25th, 26th formulation took us about over a year to formulate to create Um, and that's coming out in in four weeks and we're really excited about it yeah it's a it was so we're launching two different ones one for like brightening one for depuffing and not only is obviously the you know like the the essence is a formulation the eye mask is a formulation too so four Mm -hmm. formulations (laughs) Because that eye mask is, you know, you had to make it clean. You had to ensure like the ingredients on it, what we're making out of it. Because if it's dissolving, it's going down your drain. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So yeah, that, wow. that is kind of what's coming down the pipeline. I'm super ex- excited about, you know, one thing that is not perfect about it, I will say, is the packaging. Um, and the packaging isn't plastic. And I, it was, and that is the biggest personal gripe, but it was a person because I was like I'm not can't do it I can't do it I can't do it I can't do it because right no one no one makes a packaging that's not in plastic for for that specific Mm, they just don't and I've asked across the board I had people scour the world for (laughs) like glass when they're like it's you're gonna crack it's gonna crack it's gonna break it's Mm. actually dangerous people yeah Yeah. like it you know people are holding it they're holding it's wet um so that's not Again, I'm going to continue thinking through what the next options are, but at the very least we have fully, that is a, again, a zero waste product that, that I'm excited about. So we have a lot of education really? around it. Uh, yeah. 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 If I may ask, what is the mask itself like made out of? What is that? The contact root. Oh, yeah. 
Yeah. And we worked actually with, um, we didn't work with a, a, a beauty contract manufacturer, we worked with a biotech um, food, yeah. wow. food. Um, and it was so sense. cool, right? Like it makes sense, right? Like they're using food to be, make other things and textures. And yeah. it was, yeah, I'm really excited about it, but it is made with a contract route. And uh, we sourced the contract locally from a farm where it's grown. And so really pr- proud of what we've been able to do with it. Oh, wow. Yeah. Where, where are you launching it? Is it just online? Do you have it in stores? Like, yeah, we are launching it, obviously our own website. Uh, we yeah. are doing an exclusive launch with Credo Beauty, which is the Credo Beauty. Mm-hmm. It's the big clean beauty store and they're also trying to push sustainability transparency packaging across the board they're really pushing brands to think more um you know having that transparency in in how they work and so we're doing an exclusive launch with them that's so exciting yeah yeah so we are excited to try that oh yeah i love eye masks yeah um I have a I have a girlfriend who brought a bunch to Burning Man. This is just a random story, but she it got me so into it. We would just sit around and like the whole our whole camp sits around and just has our little eye mask on and we just kind of like hang out and have a little spa moment all together. Yes. And the eye masks, they make such a big difference. And one of my issues with them is that they weren't a sustainable option. They were always like, they, they're hard to, yeah. They're yeah, yeah, just like everything about it. Depend, you're right, yeah, it's like there's, could it's just more like, yes, what it was in the past, could we push that? And I and I think, uh, yeah. and it dissolves, what is, I'm super excited about is it dissolves it fast. So you don't need to boil water, you know, like it's just a quick dissolving and it really is. Uh, Will it dissolve on your face? If no. you like, no, it wouldn't do that because you do need warm water to break it down. So once okay. you take it off, I dip, I I literally just run it under my hot water. Yeah. And I if I actually kind of keep this little jar on my because I've been testing it for for year over a year. I keep this little glass like my little espresso cup. <laughs> to be honest, my espresso cup that I keep right on my sink. And uh, every time I finish testing, whatever, I put it in. And at the end of the week, I do boil some water and I just dissolve it all together on one yeah. side, pour down, pour down the drain. Amazing, amazing. <laughs> now you know what oh. I my espresso cup. <laughs> I will never use that espresso cup to serve anyone, but it's my uh, my little eye mask <laughs> dissolving cup now. I love <laughs> it. Oh, that's exciting. Yeah. And uh, I also, like you, I, I love it. Um, it's l- that little five minutes, 10 minutes of just like a little bit of heaven for, for me on my eyes. I'm yeah. Just like, it's, it's like, it's cooling. It's cool. I feel relaxed. Yeah. Oh, mm-hmm. so I'm good. With you. I, I'm with you. I'm with you for that experience. So nice. Mm-hmm. So that's kind of uh, what we've been working on um, religiously. <laughs> the last few, few months and you know I think four weeks out of launch just you know I think uh starting to do that education around the ingredients because contract is still not a you know it's, it's a food yeah. you don't think about it you can't even sell it in this you don't sell it in the states it's only made into noodles or candy or you know some type of jelly like <clears throat> food mm. so a lot of education around that I always tell people, yeah. if you're ever hot potted, it's that noodle that you're eating, that you're ordering. It's, oh. it's, it's that clear jelly-like noodle. Yeah. 
Is this Jabche or something? Um, so that it's it has a similar texture, but that that's is that's made with rice. I could be wrong. Okay. But it is a similar texture, similar, similar texture. Okay. I'm gonna Google it. I mm -hmm. wanna know. It's um I think Northern Chinese usually eats in uh, Central and Northern Chinese eats in their hot pot and Japanese mm. eats it in their, in their uh, shabu shabu, their hot pot. The hot pot, ask, yeah. Shabu shabu, I, I, I want hot pot now. <laughs> You're making us hungry. <laughs> That's now. We have moved well, away. It's dinner time where I'm at. <laughs> touche, touche. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Thank you. Um, Fantastic. How can people connect with you, find you? Yep. Um, so you can obviously find us at clean-circle.com. I was going to say www. <laughs> <laughs> That's why it took me a second. <laughs> On the World Wide Web. My, 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 my cousin, um, yeah, she's just my cousin's wife. She was like, wait, what do you just ask? I know I still say www dot. She's like, yeah, people don't say that anymore. Lesson learned. Um, so yeah, they can find us at clean-circle.com or on Instagram, you know, all the big TikTok at uh, clean circle official, clean circle official. And we're, yeah, we're in DMs. Uh, what you probably get myself or one of my one one of my team members, and yeah, we're, we'll talk anything sustainability, beauty, culture. We're, we're always chatting in our chat. Amazing, way cool. My goodness, thank you for all of the work that you're doing in creating this these incredible products and like just educating folks. And I, yeah, I just want to say thank you for what you're doing. Oh, thank you so much for having me. It was so great to chat. And thank you for that um, that question that was posed <laughs> just about really thinking about it. No, that's something that we need to remind ourselves. Yeah. So thank you for the, thank you for your time. Yeah, of course. Um, and thank you for sticking around and listening to this uh, chat. If you want to hear more of them, we post twice a month. Uh, so like and subscribe and we'll see you next time. Yep. Bye. Bye.